0: This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network.
1: It is the biggest contract in the history of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and it has been a 10-year soap opera from William Nylander, who was drafted in 2014. That was the Philadelphia Draft. Aaron Ekblad goes first overall. It has been an interesting, let's just say, 10 years for the... uh, Nylander Camp and this organization, and it culminates today with an eight-year contract worth $92 million, the AAV 11.5. No hometown discount. But you can make the argument that his last contract was very much a deep hometown discount. Welcome to the program. Merrick show here across the Sportsnet Radio Network. Simulcast on Sportsnet 316, and wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, there's going to be a lot about uh, William Nylander and the New Deal here coming up on the program. Elliot's going to stop by. Elliot's been on this story from day one, uh, as you all know. Um, so Elliot drops by here in a couple of moments. Bottom of the hour, we'll shift focus and talk about the Calgary Flames. Tough one yesterday, uh, losing to the Chicago Blackhawks, a team that had more money off the a team that has more money off the ice than they have on the ice, including Connor Bedard. More on him coming up in a couple of moments. And uh, the uh, Calgary Flames uh, head back home on the wrong side of 500. Colby Armstrong. Uh, We'll stop by. We'll talk about Rogers Monday Night Hockey, an intriguing one this evening. Uh, Aaron Ambrose, we're crossing our fingers to get Ambrose on from PWHL Montreal. And Luke Fox, uh, we'll stop by as well. We'll see uh, where we can squeeze Luke in. Covers of Maple Leafs for Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. Would imagine there'll be some type of Brad True Living presser or comments made by Brad True Living today. So a lot of things are sort of up in the air. Uh, But we'll try to get you as thorough coverage of this uh, William Nylander situation from a lot of different angles as well, not just Nylander, but you know, anytime one contract gets signed with any team, you wonder, okay, what's the ripple effect? What's the cascade? And what does that mean for subsequent contracts? And the one thing about the Toronto Maple Leafs, and I guess this is. Um, you know, I guess maybe uh, maybe this is a benefit for either Brad Treliving or Brendan Shanahan uh, being the uh, the Canadian team that gets the most scrutiny. There are about 35 million general managers uh, across Canada who run the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, so we'll have our whack at the pinata as well and try to figure out how this fits in long term uh, with his Maple Leafs roster construction strategy. What does this mean for the squad this year? What does it mean in subsequent seasons? Uh, What does it mean for Mitch Marner? What does it mean for John Tavares? Um, A lot of these things to get into, uh, not just the contract itself, but what this means for the Toronto Maple Leafs. But don't worry, because if Maple Leafs talk is sickening to you, and I understand there are plenty of you out there who get sickened by Maple Leafs talk because there's so much of it. We have a lot of other stuff for you on the show today. Uh, I want to park some time and talk about Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, today, uh, tying Patrick Waugh's wins record on the weekend of 551 in true Marc-Andre Fleury fashion, making spectacular diving saves against Justin Danforth of the Blue Jackets, uh, glove saves against uh, someone who really has an underrated one-timer. Um, and that is Chinnikov on the Columbus Blue Jackets. Igor Chinnikov, who can absolutely hammer the puck, and Fleury goes side-to-side to to make a glove save, which has to be a candidate, or at least the favorite for the save of the season. Uh, We'll park some time and talk about Marc-Andre Fleury. We'll talk about Connor Bedard as well with the broken jaw. The hit from Brendan Smith in a really intriguing Chicago-New Jersey matchup over the weekend. Tough one for New Jersey. Uh, Jack Hughes is now out. He joins Timo Meyer up front. And Jonas Thegenthaler with the broken foot. He he joins Dougie Hamilton uh, on the outside looking in with the New Jersey Devils, Uh, So that's going to be a lot of the program today. Um, A lot of talk about the Maple Leafs um, and a lot of talk uh, about other affairs around the NHL. Coming up tonight, I want to let you know, I mentioned Colby's going to be stopping by. The Vancouver Canucks are facing off against the New York Rangers. Uh, Very intriguing matchup, two of the top teams in the NHL. Uh, Vancouver turned in one of the most impressive performances we've seen all season on the weekend. And listen, the New York Rangers just continue to cruise along. You know, I've made the point before, and I think it's particularly salient now that New Jersey finds themselves with more injury problems. How we thought that New Jersey beating the Rangers last year in the playoffs was going to be a launching pad for them this season. Injuries are a major factor there, but it hasn't worked out the way that Tom Fitzgerald thought it would. Meanwhile, just when you think that that might be a crushing defeat for the New York Rangers, not at all. One of the top teams in the NHL. They will go head-to-head tonight tonight. Uh, With the Vancouver Canucks, you can watch that one on Sportsnet. Uh, In the meantime, back to the headline story of the day. It is the William Nylander contract. And someone who maybe is happy to be done with it now. Because every time we talk, every time he's asked about anything, whether it's on television or podcast or radio, it's the William Nylander situation. Elliot, are you relieved that the the William Nylander saga is finally over? Eight-year contract, $92 million, AAV of 11.5.
0: I have to say this, Jeff. I think the only people who might be more relieved than me are the people who are actually negotiating
1: it. Listen, let's let's get to that. Like, the the negotiations for this one. um, Like, I know all negotiations at the high end for any player, like whether it's, you know, Austin Matthews or the Maple Leafs or, you know, we'll see what happens with Elias Pettersson once he decides to to sit down with with Vancouver and, and discuss his future. I mean, these things are not easy, what were, in your mind or in, in your research, what were some of the stumbling blocks along the way here? What were the sort of, you know, the moments where there was a, a, an impasse and both sides had to back away to cool off?
0: Well, I, I think that one of the, the biggest issue, I think, Jeff, was that um, I think that right from the beginning, the Nylander camp, uh, led by his father and the agent, Louis Gross, uh, established uh, a number and said, uh, it's, if you, if you want to keep him, this is going to be the number. And I don't know if it was 11-5 or a little bit higher, but as I sit on the pod today, I spent a lot of time uh, uh, talking to people around, uh, around this and people who have negotiated with uh, the agent, Louis Gross, in the past. And he said to me, like basically what he does is, he says, here's my number. I think this is the number the player deserves. He doesn't move much from there. And so, I, hmm. you know, in the summer, there were reports about, like, I think the Leafs wanted to do it with, like, a high eight or a low nine. And, you know, there was talk about what did Nylander want. And I had said many times that I think because of where Matthews got to, um, you know, it was going to have to be reasonably close to that. I don't think that he was going to be taking, you know, three or four million less. And, um, hmm. you know, I, I, that was proven to be correct, but... I think it was it was simply that, you know, they said we're not budging from this general area. And the Maple Leafs had to get to a point where they said, all right, because they weren't going to be able to move them. And that's that's pretty much what happened here. And I think in the interim, um, you know, there's you know, look, one of the storylines has been if they signed Nylander in the summer, they might have saved a million or two a year on this. Knowing what I know now, mm-hmm. I don't believe that's true. Um you know, I, I think the number from the Nylander camp was always in this area. So that's number one. And number two, I do think the Maple Leafs spent a lot of time looking around for defense. Um, you know, said to them, said, if we could trade Nylander or we let him go, is there a kind of impact defenseman that we could go out and get or spend this money on? And I think part of the problem there was that number one... Um, and I do think they had made it clear in the summer they would consider moving Lander for a high-end defenseman because he only had one year left on his contract. Trading partners knew it might be very difficult to sign him, and there was some uncertainty there. And also, I just think that as we talk today, you know, you look at the, the top defensemen out there, they don't become available. I don't think that there were... no nope. Like no. I I think if there was a trade Toronto could have made for a top B, they would have done it. And I just don't think they saw it out there and and uh you know, I think at the end of the day also too, yeah. now you got a guy who looks like a forty goal, one hundred point scorer. Those guys are it's hard to replace those guys. So ultimately yeah. I think uh, those wonder- reasons are why we're here.
1: You know, I want to get to sort of, you know, um, how Nylander fits into the mix, both on and off the ice with the Maple Leafs. But you said something interesting there that I want to pick up on. You know, after Austin Matthews signed his contract and where that was at, now that was a shorter-term deal, mind you, um, but there's always when the top dog on your team signs a new deal, a cascading effect, um, you know, interesting, you know, how much you thought you figured that that factored in to the Nylander discussions. And I'm always interested, I think we all are, um, incomparables. Like, on the podcast, is it, okay, what does this mean for Mikko Rantanen in, in Colorado? But getting back to Neilander himself, I mean, it does look really close to the David Pasternak deal with the yeah. Boston Bruins. Was that a factor in any, any of this, you think?
0: I'm sure it was. Um, you know, I, I talk about this a lot um, in the sense that, you know, I think sometimes we're guilty on the outside of well, here's David Posternock, and this is what he's done, and this is William Nielander and this is what he's done, so he shouldn't make more than David Posternock. It doesn't work like that in the real world. And I've talked about the book The Bald Truth by David Falk, a former NBA player agent. He represented Mm -hmm. Michael Jordan, and that was a great book I read that talked about how agents think, and I think by extension, teams think. And, you know, a team can say, well, Posnok's at 11 Newlanders 5 New Leonard should make more than that. And a good agent will say, well, that's their situation. That's not this situation. It's the same thing. Like, I'm sure there were agents who took a look at, had take a look at contracts like the ones the Leaf players signed the last time around, Matthews Marner, and they brought them to teams and said, well, this is what Marner makes and this is what Matthews makes. And at the time, their guys might be more accomplished. The team said, I don't care what Toronto does. We're not doing that. Comparables only work until they don't. Um, until people mm-hmm. say we're not we're not taking that comparable into consideration. We're not doing what that team did, or a player says, well, that's that team's situation and that player's situation. That's not this one. You negotiate to what you can get, and you know, I like, you know, I I think this was a grind of a negotiation. I think it was really intense, not easy. And I think the Maple Leafs knew at a certain point that if they were going to keep William Nylander, it was going to be this number, and or yeah, it was going to be this number, and they had to make a decision because they mm-hmm. weren't budging. They were their poker game was they mm-hmm. weren't budging, and I think that's why we got here. I
1: thought you were going to say comparables only work in arbitration. Um, you, you know, know well, that that is true, you know what, what are is a
0: purely in... numerical process. That's right. Arbitration's right. a good one.
1: Um, You know, it it is really interesting. You know, I thought about we talked about this on the podcast and I thought a lot about this this morning as well, um, that the number that the Nylander camp fixated on from day one or placed value on and they didn't budge from it very much, if at all. Um, given all the noise going into the season around Neilander, Heck, all the noise around Neilander when we were in, you know, Stockholm for the uh, the European NHL Players Tour as well, Ellie, you remember how much noise there was uh, around Nylander to say nothing about the Global Series and the year so far for Neilander with the Toronto Maple Leafs. When you really think about all the pressures and the expectations of the Maple Leafs have this number in mind, but the Nylander camp has that number in mind, and they believe that the player is worth that. To go out into a season like this with all of that noise around and Nylander to go out there and perform and make and make the case on the ice that he's worth that number that was put forward in the summer, that's really impressive, Elliot. I don't know that there's a question attached to it other than that's a really impressive thing to do.
0: Well, look, I mean, um, you you know, not everybody is wired to to have a great year in their contract here. You know, a a couple of years ago, you know, what what was one of the greatest contract years we ever saw? Aaron Judge, New York Yankees, goes out and sets an American League record for home runs, right? Like that's, that's yep. big brass ones. But how many times have we seen other people in contract years who struggle under the weight of their future? Um, it can go one way or the other. And, you know, one thing about Nylander is, and I, and I also think this is very important for, for a player. Like it's like the Sedins in Vancouver, right? Like they just weren't really bothered by anything. They went out and they played and they shut out the noise. And, you know, that's one thing that Nylander seems to be very good at is shutting out the noise. He's got the Alfred E. Newman, Mad Magazine, what me worried to him. (laughs) And that served him uh, very well in this particular case. And uh, in a lot of ways, I think it makes him more valuable in a place like Toronto, is that the noise just doesn't bother him. So... If that's the case, I think it makes I think it adds to why he's necessary. Now look, like um, he's gonna have to deliver because the spotlight is gonna be intense. Uh, I don't know how much more intense yep. it can get, but it's gonna be intense. and now we now we can all move on to debating the next negotiation.
1: <laughs> Hang on, we're going to get there in a second um, great. Real quick about the personality of the, the personality of, of Nylander as well and, and how he fits into the Toronto market Oh, just real quick, with the comparison with Aaron Judge uh, I don't think the NHL Juiced the pucks, uh, unlike MLB With Aaron Judge, did I, did I just say that out loud? Is that on are, a microphone? Are,
0: you, I, I, you know, I, my I will shake. not take this <laughs> I will not take this Aaron Judge Slander <laughs>
1: I did that one for you, Elliot. I did that one for you. Um, You know, the temperament thing is really interesting, too, because, you know, we've seen plenty of players wilt in Toronto. We've seen plenty of players, like, different players that have been able to succeed. You know, you think about, like, Matt Sundin had the right temperament for Toronto. Austin Matthews has the right temperament for Toronto. We've seen other players, though, some on this roster, some on uh, previous rosters of the Maple Leafs that can't stop listening to everything that goes on around them. Like one of the unique qualities I've always felt about players, and this is true about French Canadian players playing with the Habs as well. One of the best qualities you can have is the ability to turn your ears off and stop listening to what people are saying about you or saying about your team. You either have that or you don't. And um, for whatever reason, Nylander, definitely has that just give us a sort of sense like the global series was fascinating for Neilander. we saw how he is thought of in his in, in, in Sweden um, yeah, yeah. and you know all the talk shows and all like we, we, we went through all of that why is this guy so uniquely positioned in Toronto given that you know it's been 10 years now drafted in 2014 the Philadelphia draft he has heard everything about his game from all corners. You know, too soft, won't play along the boards, doesn't go... Like, everyone in Toronto always wanted every winger to be Wendell and every centre to be Doug E. You know, that's yeah. not Nylander's game. Why does it work well, so well for him in Toronto?
0: I, well, I, I just think it's, it's more him than more quote-unquote us, right? I just think that he's a really carefree kind of guy, and there's not a lot that bothers other people that bothers him. Um, you know, I, I, like at the times, at times, I do think the organization wished he took things more seriously. Um, I think sometimes they thought he was a little bit too carefree for their liking. Um, you know, he's a guy who has a reputa- had a reputation at least at one point for like being late all the time, but, it's hard for me to criticize anyone like that because I'm late all the time. <laughs> so no. uh, yeah. I mean you. I mean Jeff, you know, like it's. Um, I remember <laughs> one of the least was like was like uh, was bitching to me about that once, and I was like, yeah, I, I, I'd be a real hypocrite if I agreed with you on this one. <laughs> um, and you know, so like I think that at times his his attitude has been has even driven some of his makes and organization crazy but like you look at him this year um he's definitely gotten a lot stronger um like he does yes. he looks different this year it's it's not only the the fact that he's scoring and at a record pace but like you like the other night in la which was maybe the best game the Leafs have played this year when it's two nothing and they're and they're going again and the kings have the empty net he's on the ice like we haven't seen that a lot he's and, and Keith, like I remember when Keith took over as head coach, a couple people told me, watch him in Nylander. And I said, why? And they said, because when Nylander was in the American League, Keith rode him as hard as Keith rode anybody. And so, yep. like, they've challenged him. Like, Dave, so for Keith to put him out there in that situation, I think it shows just how far he's come in the eyes of his head coach, too. So, I mean, look, like, we all know this. It's an 82-game tune-up for the postseason. We'll see how the postseason goes. But you can only judge someone on the work they've done to this point. And the work he's done to this point Mm -hmm. this year has been very strong. And ultimately, that's why Toronto is doing what they're doing.
1: Uh, Okay. So then to your previous point of if this, then that. Yeah. We talk about cascading effect for contracts. What does this, because now the attention is going to turn to a couple of other contracts that both expire at the end of next season. One is Mitch Marner, and the other is John Tavares. Both are poised to become unrestricted free agents, not at the end of this season, but of next. Now, Marner is you know, eligible to be given a, a new contract. That's probably the, the next topic that everyone's going to jump into in Maple Leaf Land. If this, then that. Yeah. What happens now?
0: Well, I, I think the thing is, I think Tavares, to me, be, let me just get there first. Look, Tavares is sure. not going to be making 11 million on his next deal. I think I think everybody's right. curious to see what is it going to be. Like I think the Maple Leafs believe that Tavares wants to stay, and I would guess in a perfect world Tavares wants to stay. But what does that look like? Mm-hmm. Um and I and I think that's that's going to be the question. I think ever since the Maple Leafs lost to Tampa in the first round last year, I think they've sort of been planning for um, what's Tavares' future, where in the lineup, what position, and what could this look like down the road? Now, we're still a year away from that, so we've got time to figure it out, but I, I don't think it's exactly breaking news that it's not going to be $11 million, so what's it going to be? And I, and I do believe that that's part of yeah. Toronto's planning here. Like, even with the cap going up next year, next year's going to be their one year where they're, where they're really going to have some challenges and then I think they hope yeah. it opens up with the cap going up. And and, and, and so I think one big question is what's Tavares future and at what number? And, you know, that brings us to Marner and, um, you know, like I think he's a great player. I really do. Um, his last contract negotiation was really complicated. Um, it, it, it you know, it's interesting. Like, you know, I've had people who think that his next deal won't be that complicated, and I've and which seems counterintuitive, but there are people out there who believe that. Mm. So, you know, we'll see. But, you know, like, look, like we'll, we'll see where this all goes. Um, I think they envision a future where it's Matthews, Marner and Nylander still together and Tavares at a lower number. But, you know, that's easy to say. We'll see where we go.
1: We'll see what happens there. Okay, so uh, the latest news, if you're just joining us, uh, William Nylander has signed a new contract. Uh, it is eight years on term. $11.5 million is the AAV, uh, $92 million total. It is the largest number um, a Maple Leaf has ever received uh, in their contract by way of total actual dollars. Uh, this 10 years after he was drafted uh, by the Toronto Maple Leafs. Okay. Elsewhere around the NHL, are there any other topics today other than the uh, the William yep. Nylander situation? We'll we'll try to try to dig out a uh, a couple of more and a couple of things you talked about uh, Saturday on headlines with Ron McLean and the one that that jumped out at me and I'm going to talk to Eric Francis here in a couple of moments about a couple of other things with uh, with Calgary, but we'll get to that as well. What is going on with Noah Hannafin? I mean, th- this seems like the weirdest sort of contract, come here, go away, hide-and-go-seek uh, situation that we've seen in quite some time?
0: Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's been an interesting one. There's no question about that. I mean, first of all, really tough weekend for the Flames. I, I thought they played oh, really right, well yeah. in Philly, really well in Philly. That was a great game and just lost, unfortunately. And then yesterday, that one's really tough. Like when you see the lineup that... Chicago Ice with I think yep. their eleven forwards combined, I think were paid thirteen million. Like that's that that one's yeah. tough to stomach for the Flames and their fans, no question. Um so Hannafin earlier in the year, he had I what I would say was a verbal agreement on an extension, uh, around sixty million and you know, they lost a couple games and all of a sudden everybody was unsure and they kind of shelved it. And I think, you know, as far as I was concerned, you know, that meant he was going to get dealt. Well, you know, just over the past couple of days, I had some people say, don't be so sure about that. I think there's some conversation about this again. And, you know, it depends on who you talk to. Um, there are some people who say that's always been kind of the same thing that they haven't put it away, but there's other people who say, well, it's picked up a bit more seriously. And, um, you know, I, I think the thing with the difference between a Hannafin and a Tanev is, is is purely age. You know, Tanev's a little bit older. Um, you know, Hannafin is still in the prime of his career, right? And I think Calgary has taken a look at a guy here who's 27 years old and said, does it just make sense to keep him? And uh, especially if they're not blown away by what's out there for him. And so I don't know where this is going to end up, but I had a couple people tell me that this isn't over and you shouldn't assume he's mm-hmm. automatically gone.
1: Okay. Uh, also on headlines, you talked about Steve Steos, the general manager of the Ottawa Senators, uh, looking around, looking for "quote unquote" hockey players. Capital H. Elliot.
0: Yes, pros, whichever you want to call them. Um, you know, I, I just think they're. I think they're looking to add. I you know, like. I. I don't think you know. For one thing, they've got to sign Pinto and uh you know pinto is eligible to play again what's the date today the eighth his first game so i think he can Eight. start practicing yeah so he can start practicing with them i believe on thursday and his first game will be on the 21st all things being equal so you've got to sign him right and um i assume that it'll be at his qualifying offer like uh, you know the obviously the qualifying offer is expired but it will be at that number um but they have some cap juggling they're going to have to do, and some of it can simply be sending guys to the minors. But I, you know, I don't think they're looking to subtract from their young core. I, I don't think I don't think they're there yet. But I do think they're looking for quote unquote pros who uh, play the game the right way and take care of themselves and all things like that. And, and again, I, I don't think like the. Senators are looking to slander their guys as a bunch of players that don't know how to play properly, but they just think they need more of them. So, you know, they're active. Right. They're looking for those kinds of players right now. But the one thing is, they do have cap issues and they do have to add Pinto, although not at a high number. So they're, they're trying to manage mm-hmm. that. And I think they're looking for, you know, both, when they look for the players they're looking at, Jeff, I, I think they're willing to consider both short term and long term options. They just want pros and and uh, they'll right. and and they're willing to look at all options
1: on it. Uh, let, let's finish up by talking about one of my favorite musicals. Are you a fan of musicals, Elliot?
0: Some of them, yeah. I, I would I would say that the answer to that question is yes. I'm no Keith Yandel, okay. but I like
1: them. Oh boy, he lo- No, I like them. He loves musicals. There, there's. I yeah. I'm not even in the same conversation as Yandel. Okay, West Side Story. One of my favorites. Great music by Leonard Bernstein. It is, a great, uh, it is Lyrics a great by musical. Stephen Sondheim. It's a you know it's and I can't help but think of the West Side Story musical when I look at the NHL standings today. You know why, Elliot?
0: The Sharks and the
1: Jets. The Jets are number one and the Sharks are thirty two. Give me a thought yeah. on on each of these teams to conclude our conversation. It's the West Side Story conversation.
0: Well, first of all, let me just credit you for an excellent reference. No, Number two, Thank let you. me just say, uh, you know, Rita Moreno, I, I, I remember seeing her in the first season of Oz, and I was like, this is not the same person I saw in West Side Story. <laughs> like, just an incredibly talented actor, uh, Rita Moreno. Anyway, yes. um, you know, I, uh, look, the Jets, just phenomenal season so far. Um you know someone someone there said to me not too long ago um you're you're not talking about us very much and i said it must be so wonderful for you not to be not to have all this noise and they said to me you have no idea <laughs> no idea and you know sometimes i think it's as simple yeah. as that when you're playing well nobody pays any attention to you from what we do but you know they i i watched them yesterday i thought they played great i you know, they, they just smothered Arizona last night. It was one of those games where the score was reflective of yeah. the play, and, and they smothered them. They play really well. You know, the Sharks, look, like, a, a, there is a big tank battle going on here, and I don't think the Sharks expected this year to be quite like this, but if, you know, they want to get, like, Celebrini is a local guy. um, I, They'd love to get him, and look, I think they see a big picture here. And so they're going for
1: the best pick they can. Yeah, there's a few teams that are leaning into it uh, this year, quote-unquote. I, I don't know that we should be surprised if the, the same top five teams, maybe not in the exact same order at the draft this year, but don't be surprised if it's the same five top teams that we saw last year uh, in Nashville at the draft. We'll see what happens by the time we get there in Vegas. Uh, okay, great work on Neilander. Now get to work on the next Marner deal.
0: I'm getting to work on my physique first, Jeff. I'm headed to the gym. It needs a, You might you might <laughs> be you? surprised to know it needs a yeah. lot of work. Did,
1: hang on a second, though. Did, have you started with the cold tubs yet?
0: No, no. I'm going to do it uh, middle of the week. I
1: think. Oh come on! Jump right in. Take the plunge. Let's go. Steph, uh, we'll get a full Steph update on uh, Friday's podcast. I,
0: I was I was telling yeah. I was telling her about it, and she was like, "You're nuts." And uh, I said, "I said we've been married." 14 years. You just learned that now? <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's just new ways she's finding out about how you're nuts, Elliot. That's what uh, <laughs> yeah. that's what keeps it fresh in the relationship. <laughs> uh, okay, you be good. Uh, enjoy your work. Yeah, we'll talk soon. Take care, buddy. See you later.